Your new or existing home is one of your most important assets. Yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Hey, where do you keep your butter? <laughs> so anyway, this is Deb Tomorrow, your host of Real Real Estate Today, but we were actually um, pretending we were a Food Network show before the show started, and Karen and I were discussing where you keep your butter in the fridge or um, on the countertop. I know. I, we should do like a survey monkey and just. You should post on a poll on Facebook. Yes. Where do you keep your butter? Yeah. We need and to. do you keep your butter? If you keep your butter out, would you keep it out during showings? Because I think I would probably put it in the fridge for showings. I think in the fridge. Can I tell you my little secret too? Sometimes you walk through a house and you can't tell if it's occupied or not. Like there's stuff there, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of stuff there. So mm-hmm. you're trying to like. And the buyers inevitably go, what's the story here? And so we check the fridge. <laughs> if because you know I mean the fridge is included anyway so you kind of want to see what the inside looks like right so if there's milk and eggs I'm like mm, they live here mm, mustard and beer probably not probably not yeah so anyways that's my little secret it's interesting how um, people always you get distracted by what the story on the house is this is my little tip for sellers if it's a if there's something that just feels weird like it's partially occupied but not totally occupied mm-hmm. Um, people get distracted by that and they start to figure out like what's going on. I don't think I would want to know the story before I went in to actually view the home. I would, I would want to go in there just to get my own feel and then say, okay, now tell me the story. Well, and it's not the story like, you know, well, so-and-so was cheating on so-and-so and and so they broke up and it was this and, you know, whatever. Although sometimes we get that story too. But my point is, and I always tell sellers, here's another example. They say, should I take pictures down? like personal photos mm-hmm. or they say, I know I should take personal photos down because you know, that's what HGTV tells me to do. Uh, and that's all fine and dandy. But what I tell people is I want the house to tell a little story, a happy story. So if the photos sort of portray a, you know, happy family lives here kind of thing, then it's okay if you're comfortable with the pictures being out. Um, so anyways, that's just something to kind of consider. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, you know, I, I wouldn't want to take everything down. I mean, I definitely would get rid of cluttering and think that's the one takeaway I would say from HGTV is to just. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Every flat surface completely cleared. <laughs> Stuffed animals put away. I know. Karen can't say anything. All right. So welcome to the show. Um, so go ahead and post on uh, Facebook if you keep your butter out or in the fridge. I think uh, uh, Rachel, uh, Best Dam Associate Producer, in the state is uh, putting a poll up. So there you go. Hard hitting, breaking <laughs> news. More important than the fact that Kim Kardashian surrogate just had a baby a few hours ago. Congratulations, Kim. I know she's listening. She's a big fan. Made that up. Uh, I'm also joined by Karen Rastel, who's the best name lender in the state of Indiana with Ruoff Home Mortgage. And you are a very integral part of the show today. So I appreciate you venturing out in what do we think we probably have about eight inches of snow on the ground between the two storms that we've had. Yeah. And a layer of ice in between, I think. Yeah. It's awesome. So I wanted to give some seller snow reminders. Uh, If you are a seller, 
totally fine. I encourage you to put your house on the market right now because we are still suffering a shortage. Lots of buyers. We don't have houses to show them. So this could be a really great time to sell your home. But shovel, 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 please shovel. You must shovel. You must shovel. Even if you don't live there anymore, you know, shovel. Just shovel. Uh, we ask that. So I always kind of gauge. People say, well, how's your, you know, how's sales going? If they ask me in February, it, the extent to which I can feel my toes is sort of how I, <laughs> I've been busy. One. I can't feel my right. toes right now. I can feel my toes because we don't have enough houses to show people. Um, also, make sure you've got mats inside and outside for wiping shoes. Uh, because if there's snow or whatever, you know, that helps keep tracking it in. But I'm going to ask you a huge favor, which is don't make me take my shoes off uh, unless I can do it and keep my feet totally dry. I hate taking my shoes off in other people's houses. It's a weird phobia I have. I know a lot of people, it's normal to take your shoes off when you go in someone's house. To me, it's weird. I don't know what you're doing on that floor. And I've been in enough depressed, divorced dad homes to to feel that sticky floor. And I don't want that on my socks. Yeah. I'll let you finish, but I've never really given it too much thought because I'm I'm Asian, and so it's in our culture that you right. take your shoes off right. when you when you walk into right. someone's house. But go ahead. But like you know, if you take your shoes off and then you've got dripping boots everywhere, and then you end up walking through mm-hmm. that drip, and now you've got wet socks for the rest of the day. That that's sucks, a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So think about that. Um, and the other thing I don't like about taking my shoes off. This happened at a, a house. Uh, there was a realtor open house. So it was just realtors. It wasn't open to the public. And they were making us take our shoes off. I'm like, really? <sighs> and the, everything was wood floors. Stairs were wood. And I was sliding all over the place. And I thought, I'm going to fall and break a hip. And that's the end Was it me. just bad weather? Was it a new construction? Or was uh, it? No. Hmm. No, they just. Because usually you know, they have those little. Um, the booties, right? So this yeah. is the perfect solution. You can get them at home improvement stores, usually back in the plumbing section. The little like booties that your plumbers, your HVAC people put on. Mm-hmm. If I have a home with brand new carpet and they say, you know, I don't want shoes, I put a basket of booties out. Mm-hmm. I think that is thoughtful and considerate. There are people who can't take their shoes off. Like they just, it's like a big, you know, they have trouble bending over, they have bad knees or whatever. Sorry, it's a little bit of a soapbox for me, and I probably need to <laughs> get over it. Um, and also, if you if the home is vacant, just make sure you've got the heat on at a fairly comfortable temperature. We've been seeing a lot of pictures on Facebook. I don't know if you've seen them, uh, seen any of them of realtors walking into homes with like giant frozen waterfalls because a pipe is burst. <laughs> no, and, I haven't seen those. Yeah, and it's kind of a scary thought. So uh, make sure you've got the heat and you're checking. Someone's checking the house regularly for sure. So uh, we are going to talk today, uh, part two of our home buyer seminar uh, about five or six or eight, I don't know how long it's been, years ago I started doing a home buyer seminar and we thought we would bring that to the show. Uh, and last week we did part one and this is part two and next week will be part three, we, three and I think we'll get through it all. Um, so we're going to start that in the second segment. But I felt compelled to do a little follow-up on a show that we did, I want to say early December on the tax bill, the new federal tax bill. Okay. The, what's it called? I don't remember now. Tax cut and reform something. But the National Association of Realtors was all crazy about this bill. And, um, you know, I think like most things these days, thanks to Mark Zuckerberg, 
Um, I blame everything on him. That you know, there's a lot of misinformation. There was a lot of panic uh, about things that you know. How is this going to impact uh, my tax bill? Um, without knowing all the full information, and I think I would call it pre-panic. Sure, they were because just for pre-panic. It was like a 1,100 page. Uh, oh, right. Taxville or something. Yeah, we were going to send that to your sister to yes, read. Yes, we were going to send that to my sister to read because she does read read all of those. Um, but I think that people just picked out or the media was just focusing on a few things um, and then it kind of got everyone a little hyped up about it and tried to do their own research. So here is how it all kind of eventually fell out because when we talked about it, we talked about the potential impacts on homeowners, uh, home ownership, real estate, uh, and where things stood. And this is how it finally um, ended up back uh, December 20th, which we, we were kind of on hiatus for a couple of weeks, so we didn't get to follow up on that. So I thought we should. So one of the big things we talked about was that standard deduction. That did go through, so I think it used to be about $6,500 or so, uh, and now it's $12,000. So they have upped that standard deduction, which means that a lot um, fewer people are going to itemize their deductions. So a lot of us, you know, the big thing when you buy a house is now I can itemize my deductions because it makes sense because I've got, I can deduct mortgage interest and that sort of thing. Um, now it's not going to make a lot of sense for a lot of people to deduct because they're sort of saying, look, everybody's sort of taking this deduction. So we're just going to lump it all into the standard deduction. Um, however, if you do deduct uh, your mortgage interest, for most people, not much is going to change. This was another one. People were like, they're doing away with the mortgage interest deduction. Well, they've changed the cap on that. It used to be you could only deduct for mortgages up to a million dollars. They have lowered that to mortgages up to $750,000. Um, here in middle America, that doesn't impact too many of us. But on the coasts, it certainly does. However, this is only for loans that were made after December 14th of 2017. So everybody else, you're currently deducting and you... Um, it makes sense for you to deduct, to deduct. You can continue to deduct if you meet those caps. So that's not a huge change either. Uh, another change that we talked about was property tax deductions, that there was going to be a cap on those. It used to be able to deduct how much you paid for your property taxes because mm. that's on a local level. So you could deduct that on your federal. Um, they have put a deduct a cap on that deduction of $10,000. Again, middle America doesn't impact us too much, uh, but there are some states, especially states that don't do um, state income tax that have very high property taxes, and it could impact them as well. The big one that I was all up in arms about, they listened to me, (laughs) right? I'm proud of them. Uh, And that was the capital gains exclusion, which meant that if you lived in your home for two out of the last five years and you sold it, you had a a deductible, you could, uh, had $250,000 for single, $500,000 for joint um, that you could um, exclude from capital gains. So for a lot of us, you know, that's majority of your home. Uh, And if you've lived at it for two out of the last five years. They had proposed changing that requirement to five out of the last eight years, which I struggled with, especially because I thought that would have a big impact on military personnel who tend to move every four years or three or four years. Um, so they have they did uh, scale back on that and keep that as it is. So I was excited about that too. So um, that's sort of where that fell out. So most of the so the National Association of Realtors has actually come back and said, "Phew, okay," and they feel a little bit better about it right now. So. Um, 
There you yeah. go. I know. We were getting, lenders were getting those emails as well, too. Mm-hmm. And so we were reading up on those, but it was mainly addressed to all the realtors across the United right, States. Right, congressmen. Yeah, to speak up and, yep. and and let your voices be heard. So that's yep. great. Yep. So there you go. All right. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to continue uh, last week's show with our Home Buyer Seminar. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, welcome back. And we are continuing last week's show of our famous, world-famous Homebuyer Seminar. Last week, we talked about um, the first part of preparing to buy a home. So we've broken this down into five steps. Preparing to buy a home is step one. And then the search, the negotiations, the pending process or escrow or contract, under contract, all different names, and then the closing process. But honestly, we're going to spend two shows on the first step because that's how freaking important it is. And everybody wants to skip to step two, which is the search, because that's the fun part, because you get to look at the pretty pictures of all the houses, but you're going to fall in love with one, and you're not going to be ready to buy, and then you're going to cry. And there is no crying with Deb. That's my mission statement. That's how I face my business. Ever. That's not true. I cry all the time. (laughs) Uh, all the time. But anyways, so last week we got through the first part of preparing to buy a home, which was picking a realtor. Um, but we're going to continue on with that because we've also got to talk about getting your financial house in order. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. So here we go. You ready, Karen? I told you it's all about you today. I think I'm ready. Okay. Throw it at me. Let's all go. right. All right. So Picking a lender is very similar to picking a realtor. Um, Some of the advice that we gave 
uh, last week in terms of picking a realtor is going to stick with picking a lender. Um, I do think one of the best places to go is to ask your realtor for advice. The reason being that the realtors know if they do you know, significant business, they know who gets the deals done with the minimal stress. Would you agree with that, Karen? I would agree with that statement. Do you have other suggestions on how people could locate a realtor? Locate? I mean, sorry, lender. Lender? Okay. I know. It's all about me. Hmm. (laughs) I mean, a lot of of people do go online to look for, you know, lenders, and I don't know what word searches that they're using, Mm. but um, but typically, anyone can do that with anything. So, if you're not, if you don't have a realtor already, I would ask coworkers, Mm -hmm. family, friends, anyone that's recently gone through the process, who did they use, what did they like about them, and I would start there because you can always find anything online. Yeah. I certainly have my preferences um, about using more local-oriented people who have a stake in the community. That's a big factor for me. Um, Other reasons, too. But um, one of the questions I get a lot is, well, I'm just going to go to who I do my banking with because it's easier because they already have all my information. I hear that a lot too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Um, maybe they have their information. Maybe they don't. It just depends the nature of their relationship with that bank. And having worked for a bank and did mortgage loans, uh, it just depends. If these are business owners, then yes, chances are we had all of their financials, but not always if you just have like a checking and a savings and yeah. you know maybe a they're not going to have your tax returns they're not going right. to have copies of your pay stubs they're not going to know what your credit card payments are every month so it's pretty much my opinion is for the most part it's pretty much like starting from scratch so there's not a huge benefit um to going to your uh, bank i mean certainly i always ask people where do you bank mm-hmm. um and so you know that's certainly Depends on what their answer is, because there are some banks that I'll be like, no, yeah, you don't want to go there. Um, but some I'll say, you know, that's a good place to start. Here's another, you know, option yeah. kind of thing. And a lot of people may use their bank uh, or financial institution because they have a relationship possibly with that person. Other, otherwise, they just they think that, OK, that's the natural step is to start at my bank. Right. Which I encourage people to, you know, to shop around. And that would be. That would be a place to let another competitor, can, yep. you know. Absolutely. So find a lender, and then what do you do? <laughs> you say, okay, I'm going to go to so-and-so and find out about getting a mortgage. We talked about last week, one of the okay. things I always do is I say, here's what you need to say. Yeah. Usually they just say, my name is this, and my, my realtor referred me. Yeah. Please help. Yeah. And then I go from there. Yeah. And I always ask, how do you know, how do you want to proceed? Do you have questions first? Do you just a lot of people have a lot of questions? A lot of people just want to jump in and get something started. But I try to get a pulse for where they are with the process mm-hmm. so that they're comfortable. That's, that's great. Uh, I'll, I'll remind you of the same thing that we talked about last week when talking with a realtor that um, talk, finding a realtor and asking them if they're willing to sit down and talk to you and sort of fibbing a little bit and saying, I'm probably not going to buy a house until next year, even if it's not true, is a good way 
to find out if you've got a good realtor who kind of gets it, Mm -hmm. that they're not just looking for the low hanging fruit. Um, And I think it's the same thing with the lender. And I think that's great that you sort of try to find out where they are in the process. Um, Because I know sometimes we get excited and you start sending, like I start sending them houses and they're like, oh, we're not there yet. And it's like, (laughs) oh, okay, you know. So it's good to ask that. So what are some factors that you uh, need to consider when picking a lender? I think that um, interest rate is probably the first one that jumps out at people. That is the first thing that jumps out at people. And a lot of lenders will say that's probably not the most important okay. uh, piece to it. What you um, And it could be, you know, on a given day, like maybe maybe our rates are higher than a local bank or credit union. But mm-hmm. putting, putting that aside is you really want to know, you know, who, who can get the job done? Who do you work well with? Who mm-hmm. communicates well with you? Are they responsive? Um, See, just like a realtor. Do I feel like they're, yeah, do I feel like they're, they've answered all my questions? Um, you know, they're taking the time for me. They're taking the time, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of that to me goes into play because depending on how long this process will be for a mm-hmm. person, you want to at least like your lender a sure, little bit right. to have some kind of, you know, ongoing relationship that, you know, hey, we're still looking or, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like that's where you you t- you tend to lose some things in email or through text messages. So definitely at least a phone call mm-hmm. if you can't meet in person just so you can hear the actual yeah. voice of the other person. Yeah. So. And feel you some. Know, you need to have five. some confidence in your lender, just like you do for your realtor. You're making the biggest purchase you've probably ever made in your life, and you want to have confidence the team that you are um, surrounding yourself with. And we talked last Absolutely. week about interviewing your realtor, and it certainly can be the same thing uh, in terms of the lender. The lender is kind of interesting too, because you do. There are some other things that you have to take into consideration as well. Which one of them is what loan programs that they have available, mm-hmm. um, and that's why it's good to sort of have a little bit of a vision as to you know what you're hoping to buy and what you hope that scenario looks like um, down payments are usually the biggest factor in my opinion in choosing a loan we call them loan products yeah and that's um, how I typically will start like once I'll say you know when we start to discuss the different loan programs that are available I always start with down payment mm-hmm. my, my question is do you plan on mm-hmm. putting some type of down payment mm-hmm. regardless if it's your own money or coming from you know uh, gift funds or something. So I always start there. Okay. Um, but also what kind of home you're going to buy, because if it's going to be, you know, sometimes condos have special rules, manufactured mm-hmm. homes have special rules. If you were intending on buying land and building, that's a whole other ball of wax. So right. you want to have that idea as well. And that may go to um, a big part of how you choose your loan as to who has, who can right. service not every, what you want. Yeah. Right. Not every lender has every single product available. Yeah. And I've had some clients recently where I've had to kind of like they've started with one lender and then we've realized that what they want to do or what they need to do because what they maybe what they want isn't available. And so now we have to switch to, you know, looking at a different kind of home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they've had to switch lenders uh, in order to do that. Um, and then closing costs is something to certainly consider. Mm-hmm. I don't think that maybe all home buyers realize because it all kind of gets lumped in together that um, it costs you somewhere between two and $4,000 typically to get a loan 
to get a mortgage. And, and I think that's a safe range. Yeah. And so what are those costs and how does that compare? So I wanted to take a second to talk about APR. I think we've talked about this before. I know Karen's like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even trying to do the math for you. But APR is a really important concept to understand. Right. I believe that the loan lender industry has um, some government regulations where they have to provide you with these annual percentage rate numbers. Yes, if we quote a rate, yeah. it has to be followed by the APR right. as well. So what you're going to see is interest rate is, I know you're not allowed to talk about interest rates, but I am. Interest rate is 4.0% and the APR is 4.375 or something like that. And you'll be like, what does that mean? So what that means is that it is, well, let me ask you this. If a loan is at 5% interest rate and it's $2,000 in closing costs, or you've got another loan that's 4.5% interest rate, but is $4,000 in closing costs. Which one's better? I don't know. I can't do that math in my head. <laughs> You're looking at me. Well, yeah, right? What do you mean to answer right. Pull out your calculator. Yeah. Like, um, nobody knows. That, and that's what they, nobody can do that math in their head, right? That's what the APR is for. Um, so they pretend like that $2,000 in closing costs or that $4,000 in closing costs, they kind of, this is really simplifying it, but they pretend that it's interest and they roll it into the total cost of the loan over its li- lifetime and then they spit it back out as an interest rate. Uh, and that's how you're able to sort of level the playing field and compare loans. It's, it's just sort of giving you the total cost of the loan, which includes the interest and it includes your closing costs. So you want to look at that APR as a way. There's some APR calculators online, and I think I sent one to Rachel that she's going to post sometime this week um, with a little bit more information. If you really wanted to, this is an article. It's like, and create an Excel spreadsheet that blah, 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 blah. blah. And I'm like, hmm. No, because honestly, again, that number is regulated by the federal government. Like, they have to put that number out. So it's that's not smoke and mirrors advertising when they put that APR number out. Um, so I definitely think that that is a really good number um, to pay attention to. So those are the things you kind of want to look at when you're picking loans. Uh, your goal being to walk away with a prequalification letter or being able to get a prequalification letter very, very quickly. Um, because in today's seller's market, when you go to make an offer, you need to have that. It's a little bit different than a pre-approval. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people use that term interchangeably. In my opinion, pre-approval is a little bit deeper. Pre-qualification just means I've told the lender my information. They've looked it over and said, eh, yeah, I think we can do this. Pre-approval means they've gotten copies of everything and they have um, really dug deep and probably gone in front of an underwriter. I will refrain from what I feel the definition is okay. between the two, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of on board with you. Okay. I mean, that's my personal opinion, but yeah. it is it is to me um, a more solid when you can see pay stubs that you have seen. Uh, you know, you actually reviewed credit because there right. are people who issue a letter without even looking at that. Right. You know, so. Um, so let me ask you one more question before we go to, to break, and we've talked about this before, but it comes up literally every day in my life, and that is, I don't want to go to a lender because they're going to pull my credit and it's going to hurt my credit score. Well, my my sarcastic answer is, do you do you want to buy a house now or ever? <laughs> Sorry, um, because eventually your credit's going to have to be pulled, and. It's just part of the process, unfortunately. And it's better to, if you are going to shop lenders, do it within, I always say within that five or seven business days of each other so that all lenders were all looking at that same type of mortgage credit, Mm -hmm. the credit scores and everything, but it's part of it. If you tell me that you pulled your credit from an online service. Yeah, or your credit company. 
Yeah. So if you've told me that you've pulled your credit from an online service, um, you know, we can speculate, but I, the, I can't give you a definite answer if you're pre-approved or pre Yeah, you need to have a lender pull your credit because it's a specific algorithm for mortgages. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing I tell people is that that whole thing about pulling my credit will hurt my credit. While it's true, it does have a little bit of an impact on your score. It shouldn't be enough to kick you out of the program unless you are so borderline anyways that it may not be the right time for you to buy a house. So it's better to know what's going on with your credit so that you can plan appropriately than to be afraid of a few points here and there. Absolutely. So um, so get over that. I don't want to hear that anymore. <laughs> All right, let's go to break and we will come back and talk about uh, choosing the best kinds of loans and talk a little bit more about closing costs. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. <laughs> Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You 
are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. We are talking today about uh, what it takes to buy a home. Going through my world-famous home buyer seminar. So last segment, we talked about picking a lender. We're focusing right now on all the things you need to do to get ready before you even start your search. And I laugh internally at that because I know you're already searching. But really, these are the things you need to do first. So we talked about picking a lender. And the goal of that uh, process, the uh, getting with a lender process, is to walk away with a pre-qualification letter. Uh, and what else do you need to know to get that pre-qualification letter? One of the biggest decisions you're going to make is what type of loan is best for your situation. Uh, and again, this is why it's important to have a lender who listens to you and takes some time with you and doesn't just push you into one easy loan, but looks at all of your options and helps you figure out what the best one is. So we're going to go over the four main options. So this is just to kind of make you a little bit dangerous so that when you walk into a lender, you'd be like, I've heard of that before, right? That's all I want. I Mm -hmm. want you to be like, FHA, I've heard of that before. So these are the four main types of loans uh, that that most of my clients end up using. The first one is an FHA. Uh, Back in my day when I bought my first house, that was sort of your typical first-time homebuyer loan. And I think in some areas it still is. Um, Here, it's probably 50-50. Um, with between an FHA loan and what we call a USDA. And there's a reason for that, which you will learn. An FHA loan is backed by the Federal Housing Administration. So federal government backs that. Is administration or authority? Administration. Okay. Whew. Good. <laughs> uh, and it, uh, so basically they're sort of helping guarantee the loan, saying, hey, give these people a chance. And they tell the banks, we kind of got your back. If something goes wrong with, mm-hmm. you know, they stop making their payment, we got your back. We'll help make it right. So that's what that is. So it's the government helping encourage home ownership. Three and a half percent is your typical down payment with that. Uh, and it's fairly generous on debt to income ratios. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what that means. But what I have found is that lately, my clients who come to me and have um, a lot of student loan debt, FHA loans tend to be the way that they end up going. Does that sound about right? There's been some changes with the student loan yeah. uh, calculations, but yeah, so every every loan program does count student loan debt, mm-hmm. and each one looks at it slightly differently, mm-hmm. um, but it's definitely, um, if you have a lot of student loans, it might be worth looking at an FHA loan mm-hmm. just for, like you mentioned, the, the debt-to-income ratio limitations yeah. tend to be a little bit higher. Generous. So uh, the FHA loan is good for people that don't have a lot of down, uh, down payment. But I also tell people, you know, if you can come up with 3.5%, you need to really have that conversation with your lender about can you come up with an additional 1.5%, come up with a 5% down payment, and do an insured conventional loan that we're going to talk about here in a second. And there's a couple of reasons for that. The biggest reason is that because of that minimal down payment, you are going to get charged a monthly mortgage insurance, which is helping... Um, pay for an insurance program that if you default, the lender would get reimbursed for out-of-pocket expenses. That mortgage insurance, we call it PMI, will never go away with an FHA loan. The only way to get rid of it is to refinance. And today's interest rates are so incredibly low that 
you know, in five or six or eight years, when you're ready to refinance, you're probably going to have to refinance at a higher interest rate, which kind of sucks. So that's a big, for me, that's a big turnoff on the FHA loan. If you can get yourself into, uh, it's not, it's a great loan, but you know, it's one of the things you kind of go, okay, is that the absolute best scenario? Um, The other thing is that I think that mortgage insurance is kind of costly. It, it could be. Um, I have seen it on occasion where, because FHA sets that, the the fee for how they're going to calculate that. Mm-hmm. And so that's a set, that's a set uh, monthly fee. If you were doing an insured conventional, which we'll talk about in a little bit, the PMI is based off of your credit scores. Okay. So if you have a lower credit score and you're going an insured conventional route, then your PMI factor Might be could higher. be higher. Okay. I right. don't know that I ever knew that. Yeah. So FHA could be good for people who are a little bit more on the lower credit score side as well. Possibly, yes. Okay, interesting. So that's an FHA loan. Um, then a USDA loan is another one that's very popular in this area, may not be popular in some areas because it's location dependent. This is similar to an FHA loan because it's backed by the federal government who says to the lenders, give these good people a chance to buy a home and we kind of got your back if something goes wrong. Um, however, their charge is to promote rural housing. So that's why it's backed by the USDA, the people who stamp your eggs and your meat and all that. That good stuff. Um, however, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a farm or that it's something way out in the country. You know, ours is in, in Monroe County. You know, there are little towns that are just suburbs of Bloomington that qualify for USDA. Um, there's just there's a map and you can go online and kind of see where those are. So that is uh, one of the factors. Uh, the great thing about USDA is that it's no money down, 100% financing. Interest rates are just as good typically as the FHA, so no big differences there. It's not like you're getting socked because I know a lot of you are thinking, yeah, but they probably charge me twice the interest rate. No, they don't. Uh, and the PMI feels like it's a lot less to you, and it's a little bit funky. I don't want to go into too much detail, but you kind of pay for it up front. So you pay kind of a, a lump sum up front and then a little bit each month. Yeah, so FHA and the USDA, they each each loan programs do charge an upfront fee that gets rolled into the loan, mm-hmm. but you are correct that the USDA, that monthly factor that they're basing the uh, mortgage insurance off of, Mm -hmm. it is definitely lower than FHA. Right. Uh, So it will seem pretty minuscule on those. So in one scenario, I know you can't talk numbers, but I'm a realtor, so I can make up numbers. But it would be something like, you know, for in our market, for a first time home buyer, maybe buying 120 or 130, $40,000 house or something, you know, you might pay $125 a month in PMI with an FHA loan, whereas it might be like 20 or 30 bucks with a USDA loan. So it feels a lot less, which can give you a little bit more purchasing power too. So, but there are some income restrictions on that. Um, household income restrictions. So that's something to consider. So, um, but that's, that's in our area, that's a really popular loan program. The next one we've referred to is an insured conventional loan. Uh, and this can be anywhere from 3% down up to, you know, 19%, I guess, because when you hit 20% down, uh, then you go into a conventional loan. So um, it, it just meets more conventional standards. Um, the 3% down is sort of a newer product that does have a little bit higher interest rate, I think, than a 5%. So again, I encourage people, if you can get to that 5 that's really kind of your golden mark on that. You do have that mortgage insurance, but it's based on your credit score. So if you've got a really good credit score, your mortgage insurance is going to be less. Uh, And the nice thing is that when you hit that 20% equity in your house, whether that's just over time paying the mortgage down or whether that's doing improvements and increasing the value of your home, then you can get rid of that 
uh, mortgage insurance. Yeah, you can request your lender to reanalyze it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and get rid of it and drop that off of your payment, and you don't have to refinance. So uh, you can, you know, grab onto today's low interest rates and keep those for a really long time. So that's really nice. And then the conventional loan, which is kind of what I call your parents. <laughs> your parents' loan, right? Not a lot of my clients do this. It's 20% down. There's no PMI. Um, The 20% could be gift funds if you've got a family member. So that's certainly an option as well. Um, That's usually the best case scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it's rare that people in today's days and age, they've got good jobs, they've got good credit, but they don't always have a ton of down, uh, down payment money. Correct. There are some other kinds of loans, like a VA loan if you're a veteran, which is almost, correct me if I'm wrong, my opinion is that that's almost always the best scenario if it's it's a a veteran. It's a fantastic underutilized program. So if you qualify for a VA loan, that's the loan you should be getting pretty much no matter what. Like it's not even worth looking at it. You should at least be looking at it. Your lender should present it along with any other option. Yeah. Yeah, that you qualify for. And then adjustable rates. There's that too. Uh, I think we all kind of shy away from that. We've heard horror stories um, from the things that happened in the lender industry 10 years Mm -hmm. ago, although I bought my house with an adjustable rate, knowing that I would need to refinance quickly. Um, But those are where the interest rates change every few years. And that's pretty scary loan. So it's really very special circumstances that I would feel good about anybody doing that. So you need to really think of that through. Um, so those are the main types of loans, FHA, USDA, insured, conventional, and conventional, that you're going to have that conversation with your lender about what's the most appropriate kind of loan for me. Uh, along with that conversation, I want to touch on this because it drives me crazy, and this is my show, so I get to talk about things that drive me crazy and think that everybody's listening and that they'll fix it and it won't drive me crazy anymore. It hasn't worked yet, but I'm going to keep trying. And that is closing cost assistance. Uh, in my market, especially with a lot of first-time buyers, it's really, really popular to ask the seller to help cover that two to $4,000 that it costs to get the mortgage. Because my clients might have down payments, again, good credit, good jobs, but they don't have the extra money or they're first-time home buyers and they need to buy a lawnmower and they need to buy garbage cans and they need to buy, you know, things to get the house up and running. So asking the seller to pay those closing costs is totally fine, but you need to have a conversation with your lender about approximately how much you need to ask for because a lot of lenders will, I got in a fight with a lender last year about this because he just kept saying, ask for 3%. And I was like, what it, when that means is ask for 3% of the purchase price. So if the purchase price is $1,000, you can ask for up to 3%, which is 3000 And I kept saying, but if you don't need the full 3000 my guy's just overpaid for the house because a seller's just looking at their bottom line. So $100,000 house, you ask for $3,000 in closing costs, that's going to feel like an offer of $97,000 to the seller. Mm -hmm. You really need to internalize that and understand that when you're negotiating and making an offer. So so maybe you end up paying $103,000 for the house so that the seller's bottom line ends up being $100,000, which is, you know, where they want it to be. But if you only needed $2,000, then the seller gets a little bit more. Yeah, because I think what people forget is or may not understand is that even if a seller says, I'll give you a number like $3,000 in closing costs, but after everything shuffles out and maybe your closing costs did not total that, no one gets that extra money. Yeah. 
it just well the seller gets it seller gets it because the buyer doesn't get right. it right but it's not like it goes back to the yeah. to the buyer as a, oh well you had you know right. three hundred dollars left over from your right. closing cost assistance so here you go so That's I how it works. find some out of town lazy lenders and I'm if you're listening to the show then you're definitely not one of those out of town lazy lenders because you're listening to my show and thank you for listening but I find that some of them that's just they just say last for three percent and I know that people like you Karen that you understand what I'm saying no I want a number I want you to look at the scenario and give me a number and you'll give me a number and I should also preface too that there are loan the loan programs do have certain caps on what a seller is able and eligible to provide to a buyer but you know, it which is why some a, lenders just say three percent. Yeah, the cap, but it only takes a few seconds to kind of plug around some numbers and say, "Here's a safe number. Ask for this." Because math is your friend. The computer is my friend. There you <laughs> go. Excel is my friend. All right, stick around. We've got one more segment. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, welcome back. We are talking on today's show about uh, the home buying process and uh, going through my world famous home buyer seminar last segment we talked about uh, picking the right kind of loan for for your situation uh, and I want to finish up today's show on talking just a little bit about how the lender actually qualifies you because I think this is a little bit mystical for people um, so pe- the lenders basically are looking at two things the first one is credit score and I think we all know that right I mean people walk into my office they haven't been in front of a lender but they certainly know that credit score is a big deal or I get people all the time that say I want to buy a house but my credit's too low so they know that credit plays into it I encourage you to go back and listen to we've got a three-part big credit show anything you'd ever want to know about credit Um, can you share with us what the typical minimum credit score is for a mortgage I mean 
A safe, I mean, I always say my safe number is if, if you have a 620 uh-huh. middle credit score of yeah. the three credits, credit bureaus, then chances are you should be eligible, you would be eligible for a lot of loan programs. Yeah. But every lender has programs where you can go lower than that. Um, and again, keep in mind, too, that the credit score could impact your interest rate and things Absolutely. like that. So. I've never seen anything lower than a 580. Um, and those are pretty special programs and they do cost you a lot. So you have to really think about, is it smarter to wait a year and get my credit score up into the 620, 640 range and be able to um, qualify for more conventional kinds of programs than to pay an arm and a leg and a really high interest rate at a 580? Um, I think Karen and I both subscribe to the hold off a little bit and get yourself ready. Yeah, I mean, I've not met someone who's been in a dire need that they yeah. have to go and buy a house right. when their scores need. Right, because um, there's other support. options. There are other options. Mm, shocking. Yeah. Don't rely on your online credit score. We talked about that a little bit in the last segment. Um, there are something like 37 different algorithms for figuring credit scores. So when you look on your credit card company and they tell you what your credit score is, that is not going to be the same number as if a lender pulls it, a mortgage lender pulls it at the exact same time, the exact same day. Because they're weighing things differently. Uh, different things are of different importance. So don't rely on that. My, my, I guess, um, informal, casual, unscientific observation is that uh, what your credit card company is telling you is typically at least 20 points lower than what a mortgage lender is going to tell you. So it's a pretty significant difference if you think you're on the bubble, which is why you need to go to a lender and have them pull your credit score and tell you exactly what you're working with. Something else to understand is that if you are applying with someone else, that they look at all the credit scores. They're going to pull three credit scores for each person because there's three credit bureaus, Experian, Equifax, TransUnion. They're going to pull all three credit scores and they're going to look at the middle score from those three for each person and then they're going to go with the lowest. And that's what sets your rate. For everything. Uh, So... A lot of people come in here, couples come in here, and they may end up doing the mortgage in just one person's name because somebody else has a lower credit score and it just doesn't make sense. I've seen Um, that happen. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, we see that happen and that's okay. So that's the big thing that they look at is credit score. The other thing they look at is debt-to-income ratio. Uh, Usually when I teach this class, I have a PowerPoint presentation, so there's a visual that goes with it. But as someone just told me, uh, if I move my hands around, people can't see. (laughs) You all can't see me doing that. So we're going to talk about it just sort of in generalities. But a debt-to-income ratio is talking about how much of your monthly income, and this is before taxes, goes to pay your debt. Um, And for each kind of loan, an FHA, a USDA, the insured conventional and the conventional loans and the VA loans, there are limits as to how much of your income can go to pay debt each month. Uh, So they kind of actually, it's weird, they sort of back into the amount of mortgage you can qualify for because they usually come to you with a number and say, I can qualify you for $225,000. But that's not really what they're qualifying you for. What they're qualifying you for is, I can qualify you for a $1,400 a month mortgage payment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They actually, so this is kind of how it works. Based on your income, uh, you know, here's how much debt you're allowed to have. If we subtract out your current debt, which is car payments, student loan payments, uh, revolving credit, what else am I missing? Just any other type of installment loan. Yeah, installment Um, loans. Not your cell phone bill, not your electric bill, not your rent. Anything that you are obligated to pay that appears on your credit, Mm -hmm. credit report, 
or if it's like child support, mm-hmm. alimony, something like that, that's yeah. not reported like that. But those are the debts yeah. plus your proposed mortgage payment. Yeah. And so if they if they say, okay, I make, I'm going to use like really easy numbers here. Like, okay, I make $1,000 a month and I can use 500 of that towards my debt for this loan program, then they subtract out how much current debt you have with your student loan payments and things. And whatever you have left over is what you can use for your house payment. Correct. So that's a really kind of simplified <laughs> version of it. But that's the basic gist of what they're doing. And that's why they're asking you all of those questions about what your um, debt to income is. Um, again, a good lender is going to help you be strategic about it. And sometimes there's things that you can do to change your debt scenario um, that can help you get a little qualify for a little bit more house. Um, so those are all things that you want to take a look at. What else do you want to say about debt to income ratio? I don't want to go into too much detail because it's like, it's hard to teach math over the radio. <laughs> it is. And when I'm, when I'm doing this with someone in person or via email, I'm usually telling them that, you know, don't forget, we, we know people have animals. I mean, these are things that a lot of people don't think about, mm-hmm. that a lender's probably going to qualify you for a lot higher on paper mm-hmm. than what either A, you're comfortable ever paying, mm-hmm. um, or B, would even consider. Mm-hmm. But if your ratios, the debt income ratio meets a program guidelines, and you want to know how high you can go, well, in theory, yes, you can get up to, let's say, you know, $400,000 home. Mm-hmm. But is that really what you want? I mean, there are people who could on paper qualify, but they really need to think about if that's what they want to do. Um, there's other things to consider. Like I always talk about animals or children or pets. Mm-hmm. You know, you have other expenses that we are not factoring in. Right. On or maybe you're helping support an elderly parent. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are all yeah. things that aren't going to count as debt. Uh, one of my favorite stories uh, happened several years ago, and I had a police officer come in and meet with me, and there was a house he really liked. It was about $115,000. He was really worried that he wouldn't be able to qualify for it. And he kind of told me his general numbers. I'm not a lender, but just based on what he said, I was like, I think you'd be okay with 115, but let's get you with a lender. And I sent him straight to a lender. And about an hour later, I got a text message from him, and he it just <laughs> said $250,000. And we both laughed. Yeah. Uh, because he was just shocked as hell that he that's what he could qualify for. And there was no way he was going to pay that much. I think he ended up paying about 150000 for a house. It opened up a whole new world for him, mm-hmm. uh, going through that exercise and realizing I can qualify for a little bit more. Um, you know, I think a lot of people rely on those online um, payment calculators, which don't include a lot of things in your payment. And so they're Correct. very misleading. So I definitely recommend you don't pay attention to those at all and get with a lender. So that is the last step. And we are going to next week move on to the fun stuff, which is searching for homes and negotiating homes and um, what happens once you have an accepted offer. And we'll see how far we can get with that. So now you are ready. If you've listened to last week's show and this week's show, you are now ready to buy a home. Probably. Not really, buy a home. <laughs> you're ready to look for a home, and you're more ready than you were two weeks ago. Thank you for tuning in, and we will be back next week and continue this conversation with our home buyer seminar. This is Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb Tomorrow, for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.